And we're back. Straight back at it. Episode 26 of of It's Not That Deep, bro. We've got a bit of a different style. A new format. A new format. Coming at you. That's right. What we're going to do is we're going to use this app. The Randy Master. The Randy Master. <laughs> the Randy Master Apple script to randomly generate a film for us to watch. That's right. And then you at home can go and watch the film and come join us for the discussion afterwards. Come as. What do you think about that, Martin? Yeah, let's hit it. I'll do the countdown, all right? Here we go. Five. Four. Three, two, one, go. And we are watching Martin Scorsese's 1990 gangster classic, Goodfellas. Oh, Goodfellas. What year did that come out? 1990? Yeah, 1990. Are you ready, Martin? I'm ready, bro. It's long. It's fine with me. How long is it, actually? I think it's like two and a half hours. So strap in, and we'll see you on the other side, folks. That's right. We'll be here. And we're back. We are back. We just finished Goodfellas. We did. We did just do that. Wow. That what was, a film. That was a journey. That was a very good film. I was getting flashbacks from Zodiac. It was like that sort of film. That level of length and like kind of the story was yeah. as long and kind of as overarching. What did you think? Thought it was really good. Mm. Uh just really shows you what gangsters were like in the 70s. It's pretty mad, like, yeah, it starts in 1970. No, it starts in 1955. Well, I think the first shot is in 1970, because you yeah, see them, yeah, yeah that's yeah. the first scene of the film, it says 1970, and then it takes you back to the 50s, and um, you really see the progression of the mobster kind of character. Mafia boss. When it begins at the beginning, in the 50s, it's all very Italian and traditional, and they're wearing suits. And this film, oh, it moves through eras. Mm -hmm. Remember uh, Boogie Nights? Boogie Nights? Yeah, it reminded me of that a bit as well, because mm -hmm. you see, like, the 70s, the 80s, and mm -hmm. lots of different eras. The, oh, the, there's so much to talk about. That was a dense, complicated film. It's two hours 20, though. Yeah, that's probably why. Uh, I mean, the music, 
as you you're about to say. It's, it's really good. Well, it goes along. It, it's incredible. As I said, yeah, it starts off, and you see the traditional Sicilian mobster vibe, Italian that you'd mm-hmm. traditionally expect when you hear the word mob or gangster, and then as you move and the music and the the aesthetics and the the scenery in the film all changes with the times so you you witness the 50s into the 60s into the 70s into the 80s and yeah in my opinion and this is something you see in boogie nights or any film that goes shows that progression of time everything just gets harder and more ruthless <laughs> there's yeah cuz it, it wouldn't just be it'd be very plain if it were just all the same yeah but just the nature it could have got stuff doesn't have to be ruthless for it to be like interesting you know what i mean they could have gone in a positive but it's a based on a true story like if we're talking Mm. about gangsters here and you're like it's not gonna have a happy ending well no no no. it's more this story has like was like it's all real it shows the the eras very well Mm mm-hmm and I, th- it's, I think from the 1950s, history is fairly ruthless, you know, when you look at it. There's been wars and all stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. But from World War Two onwards, you've got, like, the hippie thing happening. If you look at music in the 50s, it's people singing about quite uh, whimsical themes, Fly Me to the Moon, Beyond the Sea, and it's all... There's a sense of mystery there that's mm-hmm. quite romantic. Right. Then you go into the 1960s and the popular thing becomes kind of going to the moon. It takes the dreams of the 1950s and makes them a little more extreme. And humans as well, you know, will go into the moon in that period of time. And culture all moved along. So the psychedelic thing in the 60s starts happening and rock gets harder, harder rock. Um, But then when you step into the 1970s, you get disco. Yeah, disco. Which is like Love a, a good disco. A plastic version of rock and roll. Yeah. You know? And the culture again reflects that. More, Everyone's like wearing flares and a more party version of rock and roll. Exactly. Yeah. And then you get to the eighties and we're into like drum machine, very like industrial sounds mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And that is reflected in Goodfellas in as over the progression of time, the music changes with it. And I just know in the end credits, the um, the last song that plays, so as you pointed out, in the first portion of the film, they're playing 50s music. So you yeah. Fra- Frank Sinatra, Dean Martin, Bing Crosby, that sort of thing. The last song that plays with the credits is a cover of a Frank Sinatra song. Oh, is it? Yeah, and it's by... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I could... Yeah, I can you can yeah. just kind of tell. It's yeah. by a man called Sid Vicious, who was in a punk band called the Sex Pistols. And long story short, they were one of the first bands put together by um, to become popular. A man put them together. He was like, I'm going to put a band together and they're going to become the biggest thing. And it happened, basically. And they said they had a big song called God Save the Queen. <laughs> right. And it, like, the Queen was not very happy. It Why? Re- it, well, it reached number one. The, song, the lyrics were, God Save the Queen. 
a, fasc- ugh, a fascist regime. She made you a moron. It, like, it's all very against, against the, the queen. queen. And then yeah. it got to number one, and they had to censor it on the telly when they showed what was number one. They wouldn't even show the words of the song. <laughs> Their album was called Never Mind the Bollocks, Here's the Sex Pistols. And Outrageous. when that song got to number one, they got on a boat and rode it down the River Thames playing the song. How long did it take? They were arrested fairly quickly, I believe. Really? Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I enjoyed the Sex Pistols. But Sid Vicious joined. He didn't, like, write any of the music. He joined. They only bought one album out ever, and he joined after they recorded the album. And he was famous because he couldn't play his instrument. He'd cut himself on stage. He was all about, like, being punk, but he couldn't... He wasn't a musician, really. Right, All okay. about the image. Yeah, yeah. And he had a girlfriend called Nancy, and pretty famously, she dies, and then he dies very quickly afterwards, and they're both in their 20s. He died in his 20s? Yeah, Sid Vicious dies in his 20s heroin i see so okay yeah to have his, they both overdose well her there's a whole thing about her death and it being a murder what he killed her yeah that's, and then did heroin to kill him oh i just need to see if i've got this the correct way round. which one died first sid or nancy uh sid vicious Sponge made a suicide pact. I just want to see who died first. I just want to see some tits. Uh, well, he died on the 2nd of February, 1979. And... She died on the 27th. So, yeah. So, he died before her. Other way round. And there's rumours about her killing him. Oh, okay. But, it's probably highly likely they just both died of heroin overdoses. That's, like, the deal there. But my point is, in talking about this... But, ha- Did he die of a heroin overdose? Or did he die by gunshot? Like... Oh, okay. So here we go. This is well. There's a film called Sid and Nancy, right. and I think we've. I think I've got it. And so we'll 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 cover this whole thing in another episode. But sh- long story short, in October 1978, Spongeon was found dead in the bathroom of the couple's room with a single stab wound in her abdomen. Sid Vicious was charged with her murder, but died of a heroin overdose whilst on bail in the February. And then she died of a... She, so she was found dead with a stab wound. And he was arrested. And then he paid bail. So so she died first, not, yeah. not him. Yeah. Right, okay. All right. My point is for bringing that up is using that song at the end of Goodfellas is to point out what I'm saying. That they started the film in one place... And now 
hears the same song done with where the culture is at by the 1980s. Yeah. And yeah. his version of the song was, I think it did reach number one, but it was famous because, as you heard, he's kind of taking the mick out of Frank Sinatra's voice mm -hmm. and he's doing it in a very snotty way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and What that, did you think of the film? Well, using that previous point as an example, Goodfellas is full of incredibly dense visual storytelling. And I thought it was, sorry for my language, fucking incredible. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you liked it. I thoroughly enjoyed that film. It, um, it just succeeded, basically. In every expectation you've had. I was quite excited to see how it was going to end. Yeah, same. I'm always like that with true stories. And it, I always want to know what happened to the guys that the true story is about. Yeah. Same as like, I didn't know about it in Zodiac, but once we finished that, I was like, oh, it was based on a true story. I'm glad that it showed what happened. And it's one of them again where you don't get a fantastical ending. No, it's but a very real is, ending. I mean, but the, I, both of them, both of the films that we watched that have had that are based on a true story, mm. are quite bad. One's about a killer, and then one's about the mafia. I, like they're not gonna end good. No, at but, all. Well, when I say good, I don't, I don't mean all like the fairy tale ending. Yeah, I don't mean that. I don't mean all the characters like skipping off into the distance with linked arms or yeah, anything yeah, like yeah. that. I mean more like a cinematic uh, crescendo of an ending, like something, this was a very like, and same with Zodiac, human, realistic, blunt ending yeah, yeah. sort of proceedings. And there was a point with Goodfellas where I realized um, that the main character was dead, basically. He was a dead man walking there's a point where you realize, and it, the film's incredible at showing it shortly before he starts seeing the helicopter in the sky all the time. And you kind of realize if you put all the pieces together, you, you're like, well, he's fucked Paulie over because he's dealing drugs. Yeah. So he's got that whole, that whole thing that, to deal with. That, but that isn't even spoken about for ages. You didn't no. deal with Paulie no. for a while, but you, if you've been paying attention, you know that. And then they pull off this big heist that involves all these people and Jimmy starts to lose his mind and can't focus. It's such a slick operation at the beginning of the yeah, film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And tie that in with the kind of family vibe that the Italian... that That's a thing with uh, mob culture, isn't it? They're, they love their family and they'll be incredible at cooking and they'll have these big family dinners around Yeah, tables, yeah, constantly. Yeah, yeah, where they're like seen a few. bickering at one another and yeah. stuff like that. And you... There was a point uh, before the first half of this film, like within the first half, where you you love all the characters. Yeah, they're, they're all like... A fun gang. Yeah, yeah. You, you're rooting for the team, almost. I and mean, they're all like happy and but excited about everything that's happening. The film knows this because his wife, the main character's wife, uh, when they're dating says this 
she says it was so easy to not ask how he knew all these people and how um, he had so many opportunities and it almost became normal. Yeah. And she says that, and that is so meta because that dialogue there is referencing the film, what it's doing to the viewer, and it's referencing what's happening like in the film. Yeah. If you get what I mean, mm-hmm. which is I mean, the sign of a bloody good film. The way... What? Go on, find out where... Jimmy Conway is now. Yeah, Jimmy Conway is, or... Um, uh, Henry Hill. So Jimmy Conway is dead. Is he? Yeah, 1996. So he never made it out of jail. He never made it out of jail? Well, Damn. if we'll see, but... Um, so in 1982, he was arrested. I bet there's going to be nothing on the fucking... Based on the testimony of Henry Hill. Hill's testimony in federal court resulted in a total of 50 convictions and other cases, including those of Burke and their boss, Capo Paul Vario. While Burke was serving that sentence, he was charged with the 1979 murder of drug dealer Richard Eaton, He was convicted to another 20 years in 1985. Burke was serving his time in New York when he developed cancer. He died on April 13th, 1996. That was Jimmy? Yeah, that's Jimmy. Henry Hill. Oh, but there's nothing about him. I'm just saying. um, Well, apparently there is. He was arrested in 2004. He's not He's not dead. He's not dead? No. No way. Oh, shit. No. 2012, he died. I knew it would... There's no way it would be... He What? He was born in the 40s? 1943, and he died in 2012. So he lived a long, yeah. long time, to be fair. Um, Good 80 years. Somehow, he was, like, doing radio shows and stuff. Like the guy from the Wolf of Wall Street is now. Really? Yeah. You can Jordan Belfont has been on like Joey Diaz's podcast. <laughs> but at least but he wasn't like Well, he wasn't put into the witness protection program, but Yeah. He wasn't so sort of gangster. Know, I don't know what the deal is with um with why I guess apparently Paul Vario and Jimmy both died, so maybe after both those people were dead. There was no reason for him to be in witness protection anymore. Paul, Paul Vario or Cicero? Cicero. Maybe they changed his name for the film, but his actual name's Paul Vario. Vario, yeah. okay. Um, so, yeah, maybe once those two people were dead, there was no need for him to be in protection, in anymore. protection anymore. He divorced that wife, though. Yeah, he says in the film. Oh, it did, yeah. Um, yeah. He was arrested again in 2004 for having uh, crystal meth. Crystal meth? Yeah, yeah. The guy's wild, bro. And then he I was mean, ar- he is mafia. Then so. he were, was arrested again in 2009 for disorderly conduct and resisting an arrest. And then died three years later. Three years later than that, he died. So it, Doing what, though? How did he die? He died of complications related to heart disease after a long battle with illness. He'd been sick for a very long time. His heart gave out. Damn. Um, apparently, the guy who played him in the film actually met him a few times. 
What's his name? Ray Liotta. Ray Liotta. A famous, very famous actor. Um, so, yeah, that there's some backstory for you. I wonder if, like, uh, Robert De Niro met Jimmy Conway. Let's find out. Or maybe Jimmy would have been in prison that whole time. Yeah, but he could have gone to prison and be like, I'm going to play you. I mean, possibly, yeah. I mean, there might have been um, a back and forth between the two. I don't know how much De Niro so did he, looked into the role. So did Henry Hill, like, write all this? Write the film? Let's see what involvement, if he had any involvement in the Cause film. Because, like, how would Martin Scorsese know that that all happened? Well, this, it, this well, film was made at, like... Scorsese was like a renowned filmmaker at this point. He was like the best, in, one of the best. He was known as one of the best in the. This solidified him as one of the be- kings of cinema. This film, right? Okay. Um, I bet I'm betting he knew Henry Hill. And to know that, like, and Scorsese was like raised in New York, so yeah. he has a lot of this culture in him. Anyway. Um, Scorsese initially named the film Wise Guys, uh, but changed the name to Goodfellas to avoid confusion with a television drama that was coming out. Two weeks in advance for filming, Henry Hill was paid $480,000. Two what? Just two weeks before the film, just for like, to let the film be made. That's just like a fee that he was given. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Robert De Niro, who... Uh, portrayed Jimmy often called Hill several times a day to ask how his character walked, held his cigarette, and so on and so forth. Driving to and from the set, Liotta listened to FBI audio cassette tapes of Henry Hill so he could practice speaking like him. The cast did not meet Hill until a few weeks before the film's premiere. Liotta met him in an undisclosed city. Hill had seen the film and told the actor that he loved it. That is some good research right there. Is that everything you wanted to know? Uh, I mean, there could, could be a few more things. I mean, to be fair, Martin, this film, as I say, is pretty well received on the internet. And I, it was a good film. I bet there's a wealth of information about this film being made. You think so? Yeah, I bet there's probably a, doc- a decent documentary on it. I don't know. Grand Theft... Well, no, no, no. He... You're referring to his Marvel quote where he said... And this is a good time to talk about that quote. I was talking to our our good friend Todd about it yesterday. Um, He said that watching a Marvel film is like going to an amusement park. That's, That's the quote. That's what he says. It's been warped and twisted in all sorts of different ways. I hate them and all of this, but that's what he said. He said they're like going to an amusement park. We've just watched his creme de la creme considered film. That wasn't like going to an amusement park. That was like watching mobsters grow up over 30 years. (laughs) You know what I mean? So I understand what he's saying. That was a very different film to Iron Man. Now I like some of the Marvel films and stuff like that, but I completely get what he's saying. And then it sucks how that sentence has then been taken and made out to be like he was trashing 
the whole thing. It's just different. Basically. I'm just clarifying what he was saying. Um, what did you? <clears throat> yeah. So. No, I don't think he'd remake Goodfellas um, at any point. But what was I going to say? Um, Grand Theft Auto Three pretty much exists because of this game. The plot of it is is this mixed in with a few other m Mafia films. I said Grand Theft Auto 3 is this. No, you went Grand Theft Auto Oh, because of this game. I see. It was made because of this film. And there's lots of references to it in the game. So, and to be fair, a good amount of like mobster cliches and caricatures that you'll see in like shows like Family Guy or cartoon shows are like taken from this film. I swear they said in like Family Guy and stuff like that, I saw Jimmy Conway's like a singer in it. No, you're thinking of Conway Twitty. That's who I'm thinking of. I was like... Mr. Conway, I knew about Mr. Conway Twitty before, well, before I was watching Family Guy. I think he has songs on Grand Theft Auto San Andreas. <laughs> It's just <laughs> every like every time I heard Conway, I was like, "Isn't he in Family Guy?" But now <laughs> I know exactly who you're talking about. Um, I remember the name. But yeah, I've I've actually tried to watch this film maybe twice before. Years ago, you tried. I just wasn't into it. What do you mean? One time, I remember watching it, like having it. I had my laptop on my bed at my parents' house. It was when I was living at my parents before I'd moved out. And I just wasn't... It wasn't gripping me. It wow. seems crazy. It seems mad. Now, yeah, it's crazy. That's why I love films, because... Uh, I know, don't think I would be able to, like, stop watching it. I would just be straight into it. It's just not what I wanted, obviously. It's good storytelling. I don't know. Yeah, I guess... Mm. I guess at the time, you may not want it, but it was just such so good... Uh, such good storytelling. I didn't empathize with the main character, but now I, s I think I see why I get I enjoyed this film more now because it I'm a bit older and I can empathize with the uh, a young man's pursuit trying to make it, you know, mm -hmm. in a in a tough world. <laughs> what do you think would have happened if he went to Florida? He would have got killed. That's what he mean. He, he and I know that. he said it in the film, but it just would. He might not have even made it to Florida. You know what I mean? Like yeah. they killed him like as soon as they got on the motorway or something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. Um, I was gonna say I was about to say something. <sighs> um, come on, spit it out. It was to do with the beginning portion of the film when they were all playing Happy Families. Right. No, you've got to bring something up. It'll come to me. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's one of them. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, what do you think about the brutality? 
I mean, oh yeah, I re- that's a good point, Martin. And it's triggered me to remember my previous point, which will tie in nicely. Um, the brutality and violence in this film is absolutely brutal. And the first time I ever saw Robert De Niro in a film would be like, meet the parents, meet the fuckers. Really? That was the first time? Yeah, well, it was like I was a kid and my parents loved that film. So that was my introduction to De Niro. And, oh, you, you can get from those films, oh, this guy played a tough guy and now he he's playing the granddad sort of thing. You get that vibe. But going through Scorsese's filmography and, and De Niro's filmography, he can play a monster. You know, we've seen him play Rupert Pupkin. And that's one kind of monster, but not a violent one. Well, um, and then you can see him play someone like this, and he's like terrifying at times. And when he's grabbing some of the people that he's like fucking up, when he grabs them by the collar and he's looking them in the eye, and he's like, "Are you fucking listening to me?" It, I can't, I can't even begin to try and impersonate it because it's that like. I think I could. It's terrifying, man. I, mean, I, I was could. scared. <laughs> You gotta do it. Yeah. Go on. Do it right now. Well, yeah, you can't just say, I think I can do a great De Niro impression and then not do it. You think you could do that to other people convincingly? Yeah. Mate, you've got to have seen and done some shit to be able to get there. You don't wanna be able to get there. You you just don't even need... There's no point in your life where you need to be at that level of intensity. And as we saw, it wasn't good for Jimmy's mindset in the long run. So we're talking like an unlikely situation. Yeah. And I'd eat my dog if I had to. So it's horses for courses, isn't it? <laughs> There's a great Scorsese <laughs> film called... Um, There's a great Scorsese film. I'm done. I'm done with that. St- I'm, I can't even remember. I can't even remember. I cannot... I can't even a pointless sentence for no reason. And I'll eat my dog. Okay, that's great. I can't even remember why I said it. <laughs> why did you say it then? I can't remember. There's a great Scorsese film called Cape Fear where De Niro plays this stalker and that was nearly at the level of terrifying he nearly got to that level of terrifying in this film. But he is a real good actor. Yeah, he's a very good actor. Yeah. There's, a, there's a few films I've watched with him where he's like an assassin. We, he's, well, we didn't actually do a podcast on this, but we, we will at some point. But we watched Terry Gilliam's Brazil, and he plays like yeah. the hero in that. Yeah. Um, he's a. 
just for, well, it's my fault for being introduced to it via Meet the Parents and Meet the Fockers, but. No, no, no. We did one with Harry, but it never aired. Right, yeah, yeah. yeah. It wasn't. The, because there was three of us and we only had two mics at the time, we had to keep passing the mic and it just didn't flow. But at some point, we would definitely have Harry Barden back on for a rewatch of Brazil and uh, a proper chat about that. Um, this made me want to watch The Irishman, too. Because that is... It's a film. It was released during the pandemic straight to Netflix, and it's Scorsese, again, with Robert De Niro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think some of the actors from this film are, are in it, and it's... A sp it's got the same spirit as this film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically. So, um. Oh, yeah. He's got another film that I think came out two, three years after this one called Casino. Again, with Robert De Niro playing a mob boss. Um, well, but apparently, and again, I've watched Casino. Didn't like it. But. Well, we've got it. It's it's on the list. Uh, that's got you know, <laughs> James Woods from Family Guy. Talking a lot about Family Guy in this episode. James Woods is one of the main characters in Casino. Really? Yeah, yeah, and you get to see him. James Woods is an actor. That's what I'm saying. Like everyone in the '90s knows who James Woods is. He just striked up a good relationship with the people over at Family Guy and they decided to make him a cool character. <laughs> um, I do love Scorsese. That's what this is is confirming to me, that Martin Scorsese really is a master of the craft. I'm trying to think what you'll have seen that is Scorsese. I'll throw some at you. Um, so these are the ones that I have seen. Wolf of Wall Street. I've seen that. Yeah. And that, I, oh yeah, I probably should talk about that. There's loads of the narrate. there's loads of bits in this. What You can see that they're made by the same person. Like the narration of the main character talking and while scenes are happening. Mm -hmm. And then at the end, the narration, he walked out of the court thing of the, uh, he was sat next to the judge and he was doing the main character was doing the narration over the court scenes, but then it cut to the character's face and he broke the fourth wall and stepped out and did his narration into yeah. the camera. Yeah, 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 and yeah, yeah. that Leo does that for like the whole of the Wolf of Wall Street, but you only get like a little taste of it here because it, yeah, it yeah, must have been at the end. Yeah, it must have been a big deal when he did that back in 1990. So then he must have like done it again with Wolf of Wall Street. And I bet everyone, I mean, it, Wolf of Wall Street is a good film. I love the Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah, um, it's a very good film. But I've seen it twice now. Goodfellas. I, I can't... The pace of The Wolf of Wall Street, it is, like, constant. It you is think like, so? Yeah, so much is happening, and it never it never lets up. Even in the last scenes of the film, are like, on the boat, when they're, like... I, I love the crazy... Makes you feel like you're on a roller coaster, that film. Yeah, we <laughs> say he doesn't make films that feel like amusement parks. Yeah, but that's... It's probably... It's probably the point. We did watch um, 
one of his short films in another unreleased episode of It's Not That Deep, bro, where we watched just short films. But it was that one where that dude was shaving yeah. all his skin off. It's called The Big Shave. And Wait. I don't know. Let's find out. No, that was a man called Peter Burneth. But then Scorsese's got a lot of films. Um, I've seen 12 of them, and he's got 59 directorial, directorial credits. So that's quite a lot of films. That is a lot of films. How old is the guy? He's getting on in age these days, old Marty. Um, let's get an official age. I feel like we're doing quite good on the statistics this episode. Yeah, we I keep, mean... We're keeping people we, informed. That's right. So he's 78. He's 78. And he reckons he wants to do, like, another film after The Irishman. Just one more. Well, I mean, like, my point, he, he doesn't intend on stopping. Yeah, you I mean, carry on. We've got... Keep it going. After Hours. That's possibly my favourite Scorsese film. We'll definitely do that at some point. It's very different for him. It's about a man who finishes work and gets locked out of his flat and he has to spend the night on the street for the whole night. And it's just about the people he meets and crazy things. Well, he goes to like a bar. It's him trying to get back into his flat, but a load of stuff happens that means that he can't get back into his flat and it's... It is. He's got many, many different films. Like he's got loads of films that are like in the same. The Irishman, Casino. Um, he's got one called The Departed, Wolf of Wall Street, Goodfellas. They're all in the same vein. Did he make Godfather? No, that's a man called Francis Ford Coppola, and we'll d we'll do them at some point. Um, but then we've not watched like Taxi Driver, which you must have heard of. Heard of it, Are you looking at me? Are you talking to me? I, mm, That's the quote, the famous Maybe. Quote. That's Robert De Niro again. Maybe. Sounds like a... What happens in it? Hmm. It's about a taxi driver. <laughs> um, yeah. Without ruining it too much. That likes a girl. He likes a girl. Yeah. But... Just imagine how that will play out in real life if you were a girl and the taxi driver. It'd be a bit weird, wouldn't yeah. it? Yeah. Well, yeah. that's the... Pr there you go. That dynamic just there, that weirdness is the film. Exploring why that man is so weird and why he's like that. And I'm excited then. Yeah, so... Uh, Scorsese... He makes great films. I can confirm. Not that it needed confirming after 30 years of it being lauded as one of the best films ever made but yeah it's pretty good <laughs> and then you you at the start eh, you know i didn't like it at the start a couple years ago but now i get it and that is why i love cinema martin because it can uh it can change me can change who i am can change who we are that's all that's all folks yeah, I feel like this has been a particularly dense episode of It's Not That Deep, bro. There's a lot of information coming out. 
But I'm uh, sure you can handle it. Pretty sure they can. Mm. Let us know in the comments below. Yeah. The film, tell us what you thought about it. I'm lonely. I need interaction. Please. If you, have, if you haven't watched the film, what are you doing? Get on it. Follow us on all the appropriate platforms. We appreciate everyone listening so much. And I hope that you are safe and well in these strange, strange times. 21st of June. We can all get vaccinated. Maybe. Dot, dot, dot. We will see you lucky people for episode 27. But until then, keep it funky. Now we have it in our